All right, while they finish up, I'll go ahead and just do a quick introduction of who I am. Uh, I'm Nick. I've been here for a year. Uh, this Sunday marks my year anniversary to Lincoln, which is pretty awesome that I would be asked to speak on my year anniversary. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray because we all know that I need it. Uh, Father God, I just pray uh, that you would speak through me, that you would calm nerves, and that you would open the hearts and ears of everyone in this room, even myself, to what it is that you uh, have brought us here to speak to us today. I just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking this theme of discipleship for the last couple of weeks. Uh, We've talked about how we are commanded to do it in Matthew 28. And we've talked about how we're called to do it and to go out into our communities and do discipleship right there. Well, today I want to kind of look at how it is that we are chosen by God to do his work. Uh, And so before we do that, what I want to do is kind of just tell you a little bit about myself, share a little bit of my testimony uh, and how it is that uh, God has kind of given me this message through some personal struggles that I've been going through recently. Uh, so I, my childhood, I'm not going to go too much into was abandonment, neglect, and abuse. I didn't go to church as a child. I didn't start going to church until sixth grade. Uh, I went to youth group, some church camps and stuff like that. And, uh, I think I attended every altar call that was possible, uh, because I wanted people to think I was a Christian, but I was far from it. Uh, so it wasn't until I went to college and I went and I staffed, uh, mission trips over the summer. Uh, after my first year of college that I realized just how fake of a Christian I was. Uh, I went to a worship session, and as soon as I walked in there, I've never felt completely like an outsider as I did there. Uh, The spirit was extremely powerful within the worship area, and I was dark. And since God is light and I was dark, I wanted to flee. So I asked my supervisor, I was like, look, I don't belong here. I need to get out. And she looked at me and she was like, well, God had us hire you for a reason. You're staying. And I was like, your funeral. Uh, But it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Uh, I ended up going and I was doing mission work down in Marvel, Arkansas. Uh, I was late up late one night watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, And I heard my name be called. And there were four staff, two guys, two girls at each site. And I thought maybe the movie was too loud because people were trying to sleep. So I went and I checked my fellow male staff in his bedroom, and he was fast asleep. So I was like, okay, that's weird. So I go back, and I continue watching the movie, and I hear my name again. And I was like, okay, maybe the ladies think I'm too loud. So I go and I check on them, and they were still asleep. And I was like, all right, this is weird. So I go back, and I start watching the movie some more. And I hear my name one last time, and I just pause it. And I'm like, okay, I'll answer and see what's going on. God and I had a conversation that lasted about two hours and 45 minutes that night. Uh, Just about my life and how I was completely fake and it needed to change if I truly wanted to live and make him proud. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So the next day we go down to Jackson, Mississippi to help out with uh, another group in their first week of kids. And I'm watching the movie Good Will Hunting again at like 2 in the morning. Uh, Again, great movie. If you haven't seen it, do so. Um, And at the end of the movie, Matt Damon and Robin Williams are having this really powerful scene together. Uh, Matt Damon was a foster child, beat, abused, and all of that jazz. 
And Robin Williams is his counselor. And at the end of it, he looks at Matt Damon and he goes, it's not your fault. And oftentimes when we come from a rough childhood and whatnot, it, it often portrays as it's our fault that it was that way. Uh, and that's what I did. And so God used that scene. Robin Williams repeats it like four or five times. And Matt Damon's character just breaks and starts bawling. And I cried too. Um, and God just broke the hardness of my heart at that moment so that I could start to really feel what his love was like. Well, the next morning we're listening to a song during devotional time with the kids uh, called Thank You for Loving Me by David Crowder. And it's a really simple song. It's six verses. And it says, thank you for loving me. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me. And it just repeats that phrase for the whole verse. Well, during that song, I started crying again. I cried like 12 times in three days. I was a little girl. Um, And I left the room and my uh, counterpart on the uh, the mission work came out and he started talking to me. And I explained to him that that song basically laid out my testimony. Because when I first started going to church, everyone said that God loved me, but I didn't really believe it. It was just words. Well, then I went off and I got lost in the world. And through that, I was able to call out to God and God heard my cry when I was down doing mission work. And he talked back. And then through Goodwill Hunting, he started my healing process because he broke down the hardness of my heart. And it was because of that that I was able to truly understand God's love. And then because I was truly able to understand his love, I became saved. So shortly after that, I changed from going to a state school to a Christian school. And I was like, yes, my life's going to be on the right path. But I had nobody to show me how to walk that path. So I got lost again. I was homeless for a year and a half. And then I joined the army. Uh, And it wasn't until I joined the army that I had people take me under their wing and truly disciple me and truly show me what it is to live a life worthy of being called a Christian or a disciple. Um, And so since then, I went off. I finished college after the army. I started uh, taking ministry and making it my own and truly understanding what it is that God calls me to in life, which is making disciples. Uh, And so it wasn't until a year later that God brought me up here. I got hooked up with Marcus, Nathan, and Drew pretty shortly after getting up here. Uh, And I've been a part of the church here ever since. Uh, But more recently, God's been doing some refining in my heart about my worthiness. Uh, I often feel like I'm worthless or that I'm not good enough. And a couple of months ago, I really started to feel this and I started to pull away from relationships and I started to seclude myself because I didn't see myself as good enough to be around even most of the people in this room. Uh, And so I pulled away because I was focused on what my worth was in my own eyes instead of what God saw in me. And so he's been working on that for me uh, the last couple of months, and it's been awesome. And what I want to share to you is how God has allowed me to realize that he chose me to do this work. And that makes me not only qualified to do it, but worthy of doing it as well. And so that's kind of a little bit of my testimony beforehand, so you know where I'm coming from. Uh, with some of this and kind of how it, this, the truth that God has shared to me recently is then what I want to share with you. Uh, so what I want to start out with is the qualifications. Oftentimes when we're chosen to do something, we question if we're qualified to do it. Uh, when Marcus first asked me on Tuesday if I wanted to preach, I was like, whoa, 
that's a step. Monday, Drew asked me if I wanted to just read scripture. I was like, okay. Uh, and so I share my testimony just to kind of give you guys what some of my qualifications are and where my relationship with God has been before coming up here to, to preach to you. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to look at the disciples and I want to look at some of the big, the, the big three things that often make us feel as though we're unqualified. And that's age, knowledge, and skill. And so now, when looking at the age, I have a question. Uh, raise your hands for what you think. With the 12 disciples, who thought that they were roughly around Jesus' age, between 25 and, say, 35, 40? Okay, comments. Who thinks that they were older than Jesus? Okay, who thinks that they were under the age of 20? Right, a lot of people look at that and think, no possible way. But if we turn to Matthew 17, 27, we can see that only one of the disciples was over the age of 18. The rest of them were teenagers. And so in Matthew 27, Jesus and the disciples are approached by some uh, chief priests and tax collectors to collect the temple tax of Capernaum. Now, the temple tax of Capernaum was two drachma per person over the age of 18. Jesus tells Peter to go grab four drachma out of a fish's mouth. Temple tax for him, temple tax for Peter. The other ten of them are with him. Doesn't say anything about them paying tax for them. And so scholars are led to believe that that means the rest of the twelve were under the age of 18. And so now this may seem like a, a little small thing, but this is Jesus choosing younger people, teenagers, to start his ministry that spreads throughout the world. And so oftentimes for us, we either seem that we're, we're too young or too old, or we just come up with the excuse that our age is, is a big factor. I know as a younger person trying to disciple an older person, often doesn't go very well. Uh, because they think my age is something that disqualifies me from being able to speak truth in their lives. But Jesus chose younger people to speak truths into the lives of everybody. So now the, the bigger two are knowledge and ability. Uh, so we're going to go with knowledge first. And oftentimes if it's, all right, we need to go and tell people about Jesus and preach the Bible to people and blah, blah, blah. We're like, okay, I didn't go to seminary, so I can't do that. I didn't grow up in a church, so I can't do that. I don't have all the verses of the Bible memorized. I can't do that. There's 31,102 verses in the Bible. I don't think anybody's going to have those all memorized. That's a lot. And so here we see in the book of Acts, when uh, Peter and John are talking to the council of uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, that they too realized that the disciples weren't schooled and weren't trained. And so another history lesson, uh, back in the day with uh, Hebrew children, Jewish children, they went to two sections of school. First section was they had to memorize the entire first five books of the Bible. And when I say memorize, I mean verbatim, not here's a paraphrase, but word for word, be able to quote it. I would fail very quickly. Um, and if you failed, you went and just started doing your family business. So fishing, cooking, carpentry, and all that jazz. And then you would go to a second uh, type of school where it was more memorization of scripture. If you pass that, you would go and ask a rabbi to be his disciple. Well, here we know that none of the disciples were a disciple of a rabbi. 
they were fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, carpenters. So here we can deduce that all of them, too, failed out of school at one point. And so here is a group of teenagers, not schooled, not trained in spreading the word or, or teaching the word to people. And yet when they speak in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are the people that were trained and were schooled and lived this their entire life. In Acts 4.13, it says that they understand that they spoke with boldness and authority. And so I want to use that as kind of an encouragement to you that even though you may not have gone through training or schooling for that, if we speak through faith and if we speak with boldness, other people will realize that even though we didn't go to school for it. The last thing that I want to talk about is skill or ability. And throughout the Bible, we see this countless, countless times dating back to Abraham and Moses, right? One of Moses' first things when God chose him to do his work is like, nope, I can't speak. And so God gave him Aaron. Well, our version of Aaron is the Holy Spirit. God gave each of us the spirit so that we can have the ability to do whatever it is that we need to. And so if we look at the disciples, this is after Jesus sends out the 72 in Matthew 17, that the disciples come back and they're like, Jesus, we can't cure this person. And Jesus looks at them, and I love when Jesus says this, and he says it quite often, it's, you have little faith. And he goes on to talk about how if we have faith just the size of a mustard seed, nothing is impossible. And so that hits pretty hard. Because we think about all the things whenever we're asked to do something or if we can do something and we're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But that's not what matters. It matters if God can do it through us. One of the, the best, best moments in the Bible for me about uh, ability and skill is we think back to David. Right? When David was first uh, approached to take on Goliath, everyone that was asked before focused on their ability they were like i can't do that no way he'll kill me he'll step on me and then they come to david who's the smallest and scrawniest of the bunch and david doesn't focus on himself but says god can do it and in that whole time before david is approached and actually fights goliath david references god's ability 19 times and references his own ability three and so if we take that to our own lives and, and even that ratio, right, of how many times we focus on what God's ability is through us versus ours, we would be able to do countless things. And so that's just really quick what the qualifications are and how we all are qualified to do God's work. It doesn't matter where we come from, what we have been through in life, where we're going, how old, how young, whether we've left high school without graduating or have three PhDs. None of it matters. None of that makes you more qualified or less qualified. The only thing that matters is doing what God has asked us through the faith in the Holy Spirit in which he has given us to do it. And so now the bigger part of this is, am I worthy of even being chosen by God to do his work? 
And that's where my struggle the last couple of months has been because I would feel no. If you asked me a couple months ago if I was worth it, nope. And uh, it's funny, I often sit in the back and I stay out of the way. I work behind the scenes and that's because I used to feel unworthy. I wanted other people to be happy. I wanted other people to to know and, and feel God's love, but I didn't deem worthy of being amongst that happiness or with people. And so I worked behind the scenes. But recently, since God has instilled in me the, the value that I know he has, I've been up here playing the bass and trying to be more upfront because I now know that I am worthy. And so I want to help you guys see that, that you too are worthy not only of, of, of God's love and everything like that, but worthy of being chosen to do his work. And so we'll start with Jesus and what Jesus is view and how he deems us worthy. Uh, and it's really simple. In Mark ten forty five, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so we'll break this up into two sections. Oftentimes when we serve someone or deem someone worthy of being served, that is a good thing. That means, hey, you're a pretty important person or you are good enough to be served. And here, Jesus, the only perfect person to ever walk on the planet, came here to serve us. Which is kind of baffling because we're not very good people most of the time. And yet Jesus deems us worthy amongst all of that to come and serve us. And then the second part of that, and the, I think the more powerful part, is he deemed us worthy enough to give his life for us. And now most people deem a life priceless. And so here's Jesus, the only perfect person, that deemed our lives worthy enough to die for. That's pretty powerful if you think about it. That amidst, amidst all of the, the sin and garbage that we do on our daily basis, God would, or Jesus was still like, all right, I'll do that. And he did it because of God's love for us. He knew that God saw that we were worthy and God created us for the sole purpose of doing this. And so Jesus was like, they are worthy because God deems them worthy. And so now we're going to jump to God's view of us and how it is that he chose us to do his work specifically. Uh, and in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 20 and 21, it talks about how God created each of us as a vessel to be used for his work. And so if we take that at the basics of what it actually means, when you create something to be used, that means it has worth. That means it is good enough for a certain situation. What that situation is may vary. But if you create something, you deem it worthy enough to A, be created, and B, to even be used. And so that is what each of us are. Each of us are a creation from God, deemed worthy enough to be used for his purpose. And so if we go ahead and we tie all this together, that really leaves no excuse for us to not do what it is that God asks of us, which is to go out and make disciples. And so that leaves the question, why aren't more people doing this? 
And what I want to end with, really quick, each of the bulletins has an index card and a pen. And you're probably wondering why it's there, because normally there's nothing. What I want you to do is I want you to write down on that index card a fear or an obstacle that is keeping you from truly being used by God to do his work. So go ahead and just take a, a couple minutes to do that. Okay. Oh, got it, got it. <laughs> um, okay, so on the index card, what I would like for you to do, if you don't have one or if your kid stole it and drew on it with something, there are more in the back. Um, but write on it a fear or an obstacle that is keeping you from truly being used by God to do his work. While you guys finish that up, I just realized we forgot to read the scripture for the day. Um, but it's okay because the scripture ties into this part of it. So I'll go ahead and read that now. Uh, if you want to look at it, it's on the front of your bulletin. It's Luke 10, 1 through 4. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, this, into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Okay, so this ties in really well here because the final question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I willing to be used by God? It's no longer am I qualified or am I worthy, but it's am I willing. And this verse, I think, paints a pretty good picture. Everything that, that you guys wrote on your card is your wolf. And you, you're that lamb that has to go out and face that fear or pass that obstacle. And it's a scary thing often. It's not, it's not easier. More people would be doing it. And so what I want to leave with you is as we go and eat some lunch, which is pulled pork sandwiches, which is pretty fantastic. Um, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to whoever you're sitting around at the table is talk about what you wrote on your index card and pray for each other. And if you want, exchange them and, and continually keep each other in your prayers because that obstacle is keeping you from being truly used by God, which is what we were created for. I'm going to head and close this in prayer before we go ahead and eat. Father God, I pray to thank you for this day. Uh, I pray to thank you for the words that you've spoken to me. Uh, Father, I just pray for hearts. Uh, I pray that we would be able to, to truly look at ourselves and realize what it is that is, is holding us back from allowing you to use us as, as your vessel, as you desire to use us. Father, as we go out to the rest of this day and the rest of this week, I ask that our hearts would be softened and opened up to the possibilities that you have for us and the, the uh, moments in life that we face, I can serve you and be used or just hide and, and not pass this obstacle, that we would look to the power of you, the ability that you give us through the Holy Spirit. 
Father God, I thank you for uh, this time, and I pray for safety for, for uh, Marcus, Drew, Nathan, and Amy as they come back from the SSC conference. Uh, and they'll be here next week. Pray all this in your personal name.